I'm embarrassing to admit, but I might have even like slept with an empty 30-30 a few times. I was that fascinated with the whole idea of it. Yeah, you just need to get a shotgun, and if you got somebody breaking in your house, just fire it in the air, you know? Well, as an attorney, I can tell you that that's called aggravated assault, and it's a felony. You'll lose your gun rights. John Wick is, is essentially like watching a three-gun stage, except with people instead of targets. Competitive shooting, there just is not a better test of equipment or man. At the top levels, one or two misses is the difference between winning and losing. It's pretty fascinating to realize, I mean, how many millions of acres we are really blessed to have in this country, and there's so few people that get to see it. This is True Pierce, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking his cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, also getting on to today's episode. I'm excited to have True Pierce, uh, hunter, competitive shooter. You got a lot going on, man. I uh, don't even know the full gamut of what, how to introduce you, but I'm really glad to have you on the call today, man. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. (laughs) So, uh, one thing I always like to start out with is just really kind of an introduction of kind of who you are and then how did you get introduced to the, the world of firearms and hunting and the outdoors? 
Um, wow, that's sort of a loaded question, and I suppose <laughs> um, I suppose we can we can take the airplane view um, of who I am. Um, like I told you before, my name's True Pierce, and uh, I'm a I'm sort of a normal outdoor guy that uh, has really sort of ingrained myself in the outdoor world. I, uh, I grew up on a cattle ranch, uh, working my butt off and, um, and hunting and shooting and all that good stuff. But, um, I started getting into competitive shooting in college and of course I hunted as well then, but, um, I got into competitive shooting. I started with longer, uh, with like building AR 15s. And this is a long time ago before there was a million YouTube videos on how to do it. In fact, there wasn't one back then. And, we used black and white sheets of paper to figure out how to do it. And they had plastic hand guards and, um, <laughs> you know, it was, this, this was, this was back before AR 15s were cool. And then I would shoot service class, which is with a sling and iron sights up to 600 yards, you know, with an AR 15. And, and I got okay at that. And then I kind of got more excited about really long range stuff and switched to F class, which was, you know, shooting a 308 um, out to a thousand yards and, uh, and then I sort of just progressed in a handgun and, uh, and then I found my real passion, which was three gun. And the, the sort of the interesting thing about that is, as I got better as a shooter, I realized that my hunting skills, um, improved greatly as well. Um, I was a lot more confident in the field hunting and, and that kind of thing. And we can certainly go back to that later, but as far as that goes, um, I didn't want to be a rancher because you're pretty much tied to a ranch 365 days a year. And I wanted the ability to be able to hunt in the fall and to go shoot matches and to be more involved in the outdoor world. I ended up going to law school and I taught a lot of shooting courses and force on force type courses. And I sort of specialized in that as an attorney. Um, and I still do practice criminal law part-time. I just did a big, jury trial with some live sentences involved uh, just within the last couple months. And um, I'm still in court on a fairly regular basis. But uh, a couple of years ago, I actually um, joined the team over at Guns America. And I'm now the editor at Guns America and the editor of Hunt 365, which is their hunting magazine. So that's, uh, that's kind of the airplane overview of who I am and <laughs> whatnot is that hopefully that's what you were looking for that's that's exactly what i was looking for um i love that you talk about the service class rifles you know everyone thinks about shooting competitions and i think immediately everyone goes to three guns when they think three gun when they think uh competitive shooting just because it's i think it's it's very it's like the exciting thing that everyone sees the youtube videos of and I'm sure we've all seen the ones of Keanu Reeves doing his thing before <laughs> training for John Wick and all that. Sure. Um, but I love, I love that you mentioned service class competitions because that's when I started shooting that's, I didn't do a ton of competitions, but that's what I fell in love with. And uh, I never got around to building my own, uh, my own service class AR 15, but I did, uh, I did place in a couple of small, like, regional competitions using my grand right so that's cool that was that was that was my favorite man is just pulling out that pulling out those vintage rifles those those old pieces and and still being able to being able to shoot like hell with them so it's cool it's cool that's kind of where you got your where you got your start but Sure. Well, I mean, and you know, to to be fair, it's not like I suddenly picked up a gun at that point. I mean, I guns are definitely part of the culture. I mean, 
I, uh, I'm, I'm a long time American. If, if we put it that way, I had a lot <laughs> of ancestors on the Mayflower and, um, a lot of ancestors that came West. Uh, in fact, uh, my great grandfather was one of the original 26 Arizona Rangers that sort of, you know, settled and, and was law enforcement in Arizona. And, and so, you know, I mean, I grew up hearing stories about Indians and rifles and bad guys and cowboys and, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I might have even like slept with an empty thirty thirty a few times as like a seven or eight year old, just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was that fascinated with the whole idea of it. And, um, and, and my dad was certainly, um, he taught me well, he, uh, he kept me safe and, and, and I certainly was responsible. I wasn't some irresponsible kid running around with a gun, but, um, yeah, in fact, to start with, you know, when he was with me, he'd let me take a twenty-two out, but when I'd be seven or eight years old, he'd send me out with a four ten single shot shotgun because he wasn't worried about whether I could hit a cow a mile away with that. And uh, <laughs> and I'd go I'd roam the, the irrigation ditches and shoot muskrats that were just, you know, wreak havoc on the irrigation ditches. So yeah, I'd put in a few miles every morning running around with a four ten single shot shotgun and I saved my money and and eventually when I turned 12, he let me buy my own repeater 22, but he was kind of insistent on uh, uh, starting out with a single shot. He felt like it made better shooters. And, uh, and I think he's probably right. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, it's been, it's sort of been a lifelong passion. I mean, I can't remember a time when I wasn't shooting a BB gun or a cap gun or mm -hmm. the real thing. So I'm, I'm actually, so I've, I've got your Instagram open right now and I'm actually, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about your dad and father's day wasn't too long ago. And I'm just looking at, at your father's day post you got up here and this is, it's, you know, I'll, I'll have to post a link to this picture because it is the greatest shot of, I'm, I'm assuming that's you and your dad with the, the fishing poles, both y'all in the cowboy hats and yep. Yep. I mean, this is like straight out of uh, the Andy Griffith show right here. It's fantastic. Well, you know, <laughs> but what that picture doesn't show is that we're in the Idaho wilderness and we'd ridden horses in there, you know, 10 or 12 miles to be to where we were at right there. And, you know, I was probably five or six years old. I don't know how old I was in that picture, but I'm packing the sheath knife, though. Yep. So, yep, you got that fixed blade <laughs> right on the belt. I love it. Yep. So, I mean, you were pretty much like, this wasn't necessarily, yeah, you walked around with the 410 and all, but, but I mean, you were thrust right into the, into the back country as a kid then. Well, so our, I mean, so my dad ranched, right? We had horses and cows and, and believe it or not, I mean, we didn't have it when I was kid, a kid, he didn't have a lot of money and we didn't have a tractor and we didn't have a four wheel drive pickup and we get snow here in Idaho. And so, I mean, you know, we'd have to feed when there was snow with a draft horse, so a couple wagon and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I sort of have a greater understanding of the generation before me as far as how they used to do things. But yeah, we would for, you know, he would, I was obsessed with hunting and, and fishing and backcountry. And so, yeah, we would take trips and, and head up to the mountains and go ride horses. And I mean, I th I remember one day and I don't remember how old I was. I was probably closer to 12, but we took a trip in and I think we did close to 60 miles uh, round trip in one day on backcountry trails. I mean, uh, it was a long, hard day. And, and, and so to some people, that sounds crazy. But, you know, we had horses that were in shape. And, uh, you know, we got up at, in the dark and got back to camp at like 1130 at night after having just trotted horses all day long. And I don't know, we saw something like 30 lakes, you know, in one day. So, Jeez. um 
yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I've been doing it a long time, I guess. If, uh, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and it's, you know, a lot of the times it's, it's, I feel like it's a lot of people that grew up in it. They didn't get that, that true experience in the back country until they were a lot older. So it's kind of, it's interesting seeing the, seeing the difference and uh, hearing about that. And, you know, one of the things I love you're talking about, you know, doing, seeing all those lakes and doing, uh, you know, doing all those miles on, on horseback through those trails. And I was, you know, I was just, I was out fly fishing this weekend and I wasn't all that far from the road. Um, You know, it was just a little drive down from the highway even, but I was just talking with some folks that I ran into there and, and we were talking about how some people will never have that experience. I mean, we're not even talking about seeing, you know, a bunch of backcountry lakes on horseback, you know, 60 miles, 60 miles a day or whatever it is, you know, even just what's off the road, so many people miss out on. And it's, it's almost, it almost makes you a little sad, but then it, it makes you feel proud that you've, you've gotten to go out and have those experiences. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, honestly, like I wish that I could have those experiences every single day, but it's really hard to make a living, um, <laughs> you know, in, in the back country. And uh, so, yeah, but I mean, I look forward to, to trips back and I try and go see new lakes I haven't seen. And, you know, what's really crazy. I mean, that was a long time ago now that I was doing that and believe it or not, it would be almost impossible to com- to do a big trip like that now because the trails now are so bad. Uh, they haven't been maintained. There's not as many people, at least when you get back in there, there's a lot of deadfall. Our forests haven't been managed well. And so honestly now a hard day in the back country might be 20 miles because you're fighting over, you know, deadfall and, and bad trails and, and leading horses up around, you know, rock slides that no one's done anything about for years. And um, it's really kind of unfortunate that we have, you know, we had such an awesome horse trail system uh, in our mountains and we've just sort of allowed the forest service to shut them down. In fact, if you go back and look at old GPS maps, I still got some that I can load on my GPS. Uh, There's trails all over them that don't exist anymore. And if you're, you know, willing to sort of, go through some nasty deadfalls. Sometimes you can still find parts of them and you can get into areas that nobody's been in in 40, 50 years, maybe. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty fascinating to realize, uh, I mean, how many millions of acres we are really blessed to have uh, in this country. And, uh, there's so few people that get to see it. So what do you think, what do you think the issue is then? Why, uh, why are we losing these trails and everything? Well, I mean, look, I, I didn't, I didn't come on here to get into politics or, or, <laughs> or share, share mine, but I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that um, there's a certainly a group of people that have taken um, conservation to the extreme. And I think we probably call it environmentalism and they want people out of the mountains. They don't want hunters. They don't want fishermen. They don't want horsemen. They don't want hikers or campers. Uh, they just don't want us in there. And as a result of it, um, they're shutting down trails they're closing roads. You know, I, I have a buddy that's a prosecutor here in Idaho and they're looking at having to sue in a small County and they're looking at having to spend a fortune to sue the forest service because by emergency declaration, they've closed the main trail for the last 10 years in a row. Every year they just do it by emergency declaration, you know, and, um, 
the Constitution, at least the way it's been interpreted, requires what we call due process, where they have, you know, a public meeting and comments, and they actually have to sort of justify their actions, and they are illegally doing this stuff, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, we could get into that, but I don't want to bore everybody with the, with well, the legal say, details. But I mean, it, I mean, I find it, I find it super interesting, and it's, you know, it's cool hearing your perspective on it because you are so steeped in the outdoors yet it's you come you also come from a place of knowledge of the actual laws behind it i mean right you're a lawyer <laughs> you know it's you don't you don't get that combination i think quite as often so i mean i i personally find it interesting <laughs> um, well <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate because you know, I mean, we have lost a lot of access, and 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 ultimately, you know, I mean, what regardless of how you feel about bull about wolves or grizzly bears, I mean, ultimately, the problem is is that if we have those, there is not the game for people to hunt, and um, you know, hunters sort of have you know, we're both predators. Uh, man is a predator, is a hunter, and so are wolves and grizzly bears, and um, there's a reason the early settlers killed them off to the point of extinction um, in, in our Western States. And that's because they're devastating the game and to livestock and, and livelihoods and everything else. And, and, um, and so we reintroduce those and you watch, it will get to the point where we don't have the uh, herds to be able to hunt them. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not like they're in any danger of being extinct in Canada or Alaska. And in fact, if, if, amazingly enough, you know, before they reintroduced Canadian wolves to Idaho, uh, we actually had a native Idaho timber wolf and the Canadian wolves that they reintroduced killed those off. So we actually finished that species off by reintroducing Canadian wolves. So Eesh. kind of a interesting um topic and man see this we can just bounce i mean we can oh, we yeah. could be talking about something else here in 30 seconds but uh well and you know we both know okay so production of the grizzly bears the reintroduction of wolves and then the degradation of of these wild games herds of wild game species as that continues on like you said it it can easily result in us having not enough animals to hunt and we know what happens. We we definitely both know what happens when we start losing those funds from hunting from yep. the Pittman yep. Robertson Act. Yep. Uh, suddenly, you know, more more degradation of our national forests. Things start getting sold off because we don't have funds to upkeep them or to fight fires or or to do you know to effectively pay for all of these conservation and and what happens then? Yep. You know, people. It sounds like a slippery slope argument, but it's really not. <laughs> I mean, right. it's just the the plain truth of it all. Right. Well, and you know, the less people to have access and, 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 you know, your forest, I mean, and look, I'll be honest with you, we have the Frank church wilderness here in Idaho. It's one of the biggest wilderness areas in the entire country. And, um, uh, it's very unhealthy. I mean, there's deadfall everywhere. There's bugs in the trees. Uh, it's just a mess. You ride a trail. And I mean, two years ago I was in there and we had a storm while we were riding and we didn't get back to camp till three 30 in the morning because we had trees fall over the trail behind us, uh, that we couldn't get back through. And I mean, just it's, it's a mess. It's not healthy. And yet, you know, they've made it illegal to have any sort of motorized anything in there. They can't clean it up with a chainsaw. They can't go in and fight fires, I mean, they have to haul out human excrement when firefighters go in. I mean, oh, we've taken geez. this to the extreme, 
to the point where, you know, they don't allow mining or logging and, you know, and people don't like to go in and see a mountain that's been logged. But the truth is, is that if you've never seen a mountain that's burned, um, it's, it's much healthier to be logged than to just be scorched at 1600 degrees and have the roots burn under the ground and the erosion and the fish it kills in the, in the rivers. And I mean, it's a mess when it burns. So point is, is that it could be managed better, I guess. And it would be better for the game herds, for people, for access, for income, for States. Just, there's just really not a good excuse for doing things the way that it's being done. So. Well, people were <sighs> We tend to be of such extremes, you know, as people, I feel like that it's hard for anyone to imagine that there's a happy medium between complete hands off, you know, uh, advocation of, of no use of the land or no touching the land. There's the only other option then is completely clear cutting the entire forest. Right. No, there is like a lot in between (laughs) there. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And, it's it's amazing and and people don't realize you know you you mentioned it with that deadfall like so often we've we've gotten to the point now where we've we immediately put out these fires and we don't we don't allow the healthy fires to to come through these wild areas but then so then when a big fire comes through there's so much like you mentioned nothing's cleared there's so much deadfall there's so much undergrowth and so much fuel for this yep. that what would have been a normal healthy fire that's like the course of nature that yep you know helps trees to helps trees and helps everything yep suddenly burns so hot it destroys the forest yep yeah no that's that's it exactly and and uh yeah and it's it's a big mess and 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 the, and you know look fires happen naturally i mean lightning happens storms happen you know this kind of stuff happens and and i'm not suggesting that it shouldn't happen i'm just simply saying that we've done such a poor job of managing at this point that uh that when they do happen they're just devastating to the to the game to the fish in the streams i mean i was up looking at uh after a big fire here a couple of years ago and the streams i mean they were like running mud uh black they were black uh, you know i mean they're just full of charcoal and mud because uh, literally everything that holds the dirt to the mountain was gone and you know rain just washes the dirt mud charcoal uh into the water and i mean it just it's it's uh, it's not healthy for anything living in the water either uh, well so i'm going to change gears here before i start getting super frustrated <laughs> um <laughs> I, it's one of those things like I could sit and talk about it and it's, and it's, I just gonna, I'm just gonna start getting angry. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but so, you know, you talked, uh, you mentioned kind of earlier when we were, we were talking that as you started getting more into the competitive shooting, you saw that really, really affecting your hunting. How, what are, what are maybe some of the ways you saw that, um, saw the the world of competitive shooting translating over into what you do in the hunting world so i i mean let me start it out with 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 sort of this um uh, precursor that look to be a good sportsman and to to be ethical when you take an animal's life i mean i truly believe that you need to be skilled i mean you shouldn't i hear guys talk about oh i've been using the same rifle for 30 years and i go out and shoot one shot to make sure it's still zeroed and i go kill my animal and i guess i feel like good for you i'm glad that's worked so far but i also hear stories about people wounded animals i've found wounded animals myself and i think we have a duty 
Um, and it can certainly happen to anyone. We can have bullets fail or, or whatever, but I think we have a duty to put the time in and practice and make sure that we're competent, that our gear is up to the task, that it's going to work. And I guess competitive shooting, there's just is not a better test of equipment or, or man. Um, when you add a timer and you have to shoot in weird positions and you have to be patient and you have to be looking at wind and drop and you have to think about all these things and uh, misses cost you time. And at the top levels, you know, one or two misses uh, is the difference between winning and losing. And, um, you know, even shooting at like 300 yards with a semi-automatic rifle that's all tricked out uh, with an optic and a muzzle brake. And you, know, you can laugh and say a muzzle brake on a 223. Well, yeah, it helps. <laughs> um, I mean, it helps you spot your shot. It helps you recover faster for the next one. But, you know, one miss equates to about a second and a half by the time your brain can process where you impacted re readjust rehold and make it a, a decent trigger pull i mean you're talking about a full second and a half at minimum if you're good if you're a top level competitor it's that much so the point is is that i guess it's taught me a lot of patience it's taught me to build positions quickly it's taught me to wait for a shot and not break the trigger just because i feel like i have to because something's going to change um it gives you confidence in your gear, your equipment, your abilities, your skills. Uh, you're out shooting thousands of rounds a year versus, you know, making sure your old 30 out six is still zeroed. <laughs> uh, you know, I shot, well, um, I, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, here's something else too, that I think as sportsmen, you know, we like to, we like to take the credit. We like to be like, Oh yeah. Well, you know, we pay for conservation, you know, puff out our chests a little bit and sure and we um, do i mean and we do let's be fair oh, we yeah. do. it doesn't come out of your there, regular there's income a, taxes it comes out of what we spend yeah. on guns and ammo i was gonna say i i should say as hunters we like to puff out our chest but i'll tell you what you want to know who really is the ones paying for conservation it's all you guys doing the three gun matches and all this stuff who are dumping thousands of rounds of ammunition right i mean as a, as a hunter, what do I do? I maybe go, you know, just as a hunter, I maybe go through a box of ammo, you know, prepping for the season, sighting in maybe two boxes, you know, if I'm feeling really frisky, you know, in a season, what do I go through? In theory, hopefully like one round per hunt, but right. Uh, right. <laughs> how, you know, how much am I really spending? So what, maybe three boxes of ammo a year at most for, you know, as a hunter, right. That, you know, let's face it. We, we both know where the money's coming from. <laughs> sure. Well, and, and, you know, but, but I mean, look, I, I think though that, 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 that shooting's fun. It's a good sport. It's a good hobby. I much prefer it to golfing. I mean, I've golfed before uh, a couple times and I'd much rather go shoot guns and, and yeah, you can look at it however you want as, Hey, this is my shooting is adding to conservation, but, but I really do honestly believe that it will make anyone a better shooter. It's going to make you better in self-defense situations. Um, and, and not to get into to totally different direction, but, you know, I was, um, I was out, we were out chasing bears a few years ago and, and not, not actually hunting them to shoot them. All I had was a, a handgun 
and I had a bear um, come after me, uh, charged me at like six feet, and I ended up having to draw a handgun and shoot it at close range. And I mean, I can tell you that um, I just shot a, a huge pistol championship the week before, like a state championship, and I didn't even have to think about what to do or or what what happened, and I stayed cool. And and you know, I mean, it it's it really is. Um, you're just getting in a lot of repetition for exactly what we do in the field and getting efficient. So I was going to say that's, you know, that's always, that's always the big thing people talk about with when it comes to bear attacks is, you know, okay, do you really want to use a pistol if you're not going to be quick and accurate? Cause those attacks happen in like split second in an instant. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much my listeners totally know about competitive shooting, but effectively you know, you're standing there doing your thing. And the second that buzzer goes off, you're, you're, you're going like yep. it's, yep. it's down to the millisecond, right? Yep. Yeah. The shot timer. So they've got really sophisticated shot timers now that they time from the time that buzzer goes off and they can measure every single split. So they hear every single gunshot and they can measure them to the hundredth of a second. And um, oftentimes pistol matches are won by tenths of a second. I mean, it's uh, Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we're, people are getting really, really efficient at moving and shooting and hitting and um, drawing and, and, uh, you know, even if you're not a top level world champion competitor, anything you go do is going to improve you. I mean, you don't have to be winning to go become better at, at all the things that we're talking about. Uh, if you go shoot one match, you're going to improve your skills in the field, your confidence, everything else. So, for those for people that aren't as familiar with like the different types of matches, maybe maybe tell me a little bit about what is a what is a three gun match. It may seem obvious, I guess, to but got a lot of people that have zero experience except what they've seen in John Wick. <laughs> okay. Well, and to be fair, I mean, look, John Wick is is essentially like watching a three gun stage, except with people instead of targets. And that's <laughs> kind of a gruesome movie. But I mean, that really is kind of what it is. So three, you know, three gun is where you have a, a usually a semi-automatic handgun, a semi-automatic rifle and a shotgun. And it can be semi-automatic or pump. There's different divisions for gear. And so if you're getting started, you don't need to go buy a bunch of stuff. Bring what you have. I mean, the first matches I shot, I shot with a Remington 870 pump shotgun that didn't hold enough shells but um i learned stuff right and um uh and eventually you'll want to get into something better but but the point is 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 it's not you're not going to lose or, or because you don't have good enough gear your first first matches it's going to be because you don't have any idea what you're doing and you don't have the skill set yet to be competitive and so there's no reason to go spend money on new gear shoot what you've got and until that's what's holding you back is really the best advice i give people but here's to, to put it in a nutshell they set up courses and they'll tell you ahead of time okay those targets over there have to be shot with a pistol those targets over there have to be shot with a shotgun those targets you know right here have to be shot with a rifle and so with your rifle you might be shooting targets at literally the end of your barrel you know two feet away from you out to I think the furthest shot I've ever had on a regular AR-15 at a match was 700 yards. So with, with, with just a regular AR-15 and that's what they're, you know, it was a large target, but that's what they're expecting you to shoot on the clock. And it's common to have at least out West in the East, it's a little different, but at least out West, it's common to have shots to three and 400 yards at our bigger matches. So um, and then, you know, handgun, same thing. We shoot steel, paper, whatever, somebody 
can concoct up and dream up as a target uh, gets shot. And, you know, it's not common, but, you know, at the old Ironman matches, we'd see targets, pistol targets out to 150 yards. So, you know, it just depends. Some of the bigger matches also will have bonus rifles where you'll shoot a bonus rifle out to a thousand yards. Um, I think one match had a bonus rifle that was there, you know, it was provided at the match. You didn't have to bring your own, but I think we shot to 1500 with that rifle. So, you know, we're talking about a really large skill set here that you have to be good at. You not only have to be able to shoot a rifle well, you got to be able to shoot a handgun and a shotgun. There's often flying clays uh, mixed in with slug targets. Um, And so you're shooting slugs at 60, 80, a hundred yards sometimes uh, right after you just got done shooting like some sort of flying clays course type, shots um so you have to be well-rounded i guess is the point so three gunners um they they may not be able to go straight to a prs match and win but they'd be competitive but they'd be more competitive than someone that hadn't shot three gun i guess is is what i would tell you so i mean (laughs) well-rounded is really kind of is is what you have to be to be good at three gun it's kind of the the jack of all trades uh of the the competitive firearms grouping i guess it is it really is it really is. Um, your gear has to work. You know, if you're having malfunctions, you're out. I mean, you're not going to win anything. So, um, your gear working, you got to know how to hand load. I mean, look, I bet I loaded 20,000, 25,000 rounds of pistol last year alone. And you know, if you don't know how to hand load, you're going to have problems. And I don't think I had a single malfunction with handgun last year. So, you know, I mean, you just have to know a lot about all this stuff and, and it translates over into being a better hunter. So do you, uh, just out of curiosity, do you hand load all your hunting rounds as well? Um, I do. Uh, well, so, so let me back that up. Most of the time when I, so as the editor for a gun magazine, obviously I get sent guns to test and I, I make assignments to writers and stuff. But, you know, for example, last year I went on a hunt with Sig Sauer to Colorado. I, I loaded up horses and drove my horse trailer and horses to Colorado. They didn't have uh, an outfitter or any like professional people there telling him what to do. We bought over the counter tags and we went into the Colorado wilderness where I'd, I'd never been where we went before. And, and we used their new SIG cross rifle and uh, their new ammo. So, I mean, obviously I didn't handle that ammo. And in those situations I don't, but for my own stuff and my own, when I go out and hunt, yeah, I handload my own ammo. So I tailor it to my gun and make sure that it shoots as good as it possibly can shoot and as consistent and, Uh, I just don't feel like I can buy ammo that's as good as what I can make. So if somebody wants to, you know, say somebody's coming out and especially I feel like I've, I've gotten this question a lot recently from people on both sides of the political aisle, you know, they've, they've reached out and, and they're like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about buying my first gun. I want to learn to shoot. I want to get into shooting you know, I mean, without too much commentary on what's going on, it's just, we're living in a crazy world right now. So I think yeah, it's absolutely. on mind. Yep. Um, somebody that literally just wants to learn how to shoot a gun. They don't know if they want to shoot a shotgun, a pistol, a rifle or anything. They come up to you, you, you have somebody reaching out. They're like, I just want to start shooting. Like, how would you start them out? What, where would you kind of send them? What would you tell them to do initially? Okay. So, I mean, look, obviously what they want to, why the the reason they want to shoot is, is going to be the first thing that I need to find out. So for example, I mean, just, just yesterday I had a lady that was 70 something years old say, Hey, 
I need a gun. I'm scared. I want to be able to protect myself. Well, because of her age and the reason, you know, her purposes that, that for, for wanting a gun, um, obviously certain guns are just not an option for her. Right. I mean, because of physical strength and all that. I mean, if somebody wants to, to start shooting competitively, if they if they've never shot a gun, if, if they're young and strong and they think that this might be some sort of a lifetime hobby, uh, then then I mean, the generic answer is start with a handgun every time. I mean, go find a 9mm, um, Glock, Smith & Wesson, Springfield Armory, SIG, Ruger. I mean, all the major manufacturers make excellent 9mm handguns. Go find one that you like. Uh, and start shooting. And the reason I tell you that is because handguns are the cheapest to shoot. If you go look at the cost of 50 rounds of handgun ammunition compared to the cost of 50 rounds of rifle ammunition, <laughs> rifle ammunition is two or three times the price. The other thing I, the other advice I would give them, if, if it's just, I just want to sort of learn how, I don't know how serious I'm about this. I don't care about self-protection or hunting. Well, by all means, go buy a rimfire. You know, a 22 rifle, a 22 pistol, there's a ton of great options out there. Um, and you can go learn how to shoot for cheap, have fun and teach your kids to shoot. Um, and then eventually you're going to want to move into something, obviously that's got a little more knockdown power, but, um, but 22 rim fires, those sorts of things are great training tools. Um, I mean, like we talked about before, it's really what I learned on and I grew up shooting. I grew up shooting an old single shot, 22 rifle with iron sights on it. And, um, I mean, that's, that's where I learned about marksmanship and how to pull a trigger. So, um, I don't, I still think that it's a really acceptable and excellent way to learn how to shoot today, but it just depends on your purpose. If your goal is not to go have fun, your goal is you want to protect yourself in your house, then a handgun's pretty tough to beat. So, so this is, you know, this is my question and I, I get everybody and I think you've probably gotten this too, where immediately everyone's like thinks home protection and they're like, Oh, I need to get myself a shotgun, but you're saying, okay, well, if you're looking for self-protection, uh, home protection, you should get a pistol. What's, what's your reasoning behind that? Well, look, I mean, it, it obviously everybody's different. And so to just throw out a blanket answer that makes sense mm -hmm. for every person listening may not make any, may not make any sense, but I mean, the, the, the advantage of a handgun are is that oftentimes state laws, depending on what state you're in, are, are advantageous for handguns, meaning you can get a permit, means you can carry it concealed and loaded. If you need to, you can stick it in your car because, you know, look, I mean, who's to say that people are going to be in your house? Maybe you just got out of your car. You just pull into your driveway. You've got groceries in your back seat. You pull into your driveway. It's dark outside and you get your groceries out and start walking towards your front door. Well, I mean, that's if you're a bad guy, that's a great time to get you. You don't have your keys out you can't get into your house fast you can't get on your cell phone your arms are full and look if you've got a handgun you can carry that on your body concealed it can be in your car you can take it with you it's not in your house next to the you know in the gun safe and so handguns are just extremely versatile uh because of how easy they are to conceal the amount of ammunition they hold i mean look i'll be completely honest with you if i was in my house and i knew that i was going to have bad guys come kick down my door I would not choose a shotgun or a pistol. I would absolutely want an AR-15 in my hands. So if, if you really believe that you're going to be defending your home, then a pistol is not the right answer and neither is a shotgun. Um, I absolutely would want an AR-15 with high capacity magazines. So it, once again, it, it, there's not really a blanket way of saying, yeah, this is what you should have because everyone's needs and wants and fears are different. And, oh. um, 
I'll admit that was kind of a loaded question because I, I pretty much knew you were going to answer it exactly that way. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's just, I, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's really funny because I feel like people for some reason immediately go like, Oh, I need a, I need a shotgun. And I think it's probably, I don't know. I, I may be wrong, but I think it's probably cause they imagine, okay, it's got a widespread, it's not necessarily going to go through walls or anything. And they think, Oh, I can just shoot this anywhere. And it's, and it's going to be accurate, which I don't yeah, think people I mean, look, realize. That's, no, it's a huge, there's a huge misconception about shotguns. And, and look, I mean, they're a very versatile tool. I'm not knocking a shotgun at all. I mean, you know, because you can get bird shot, you can get buck shot, you can get slugs. And, and let's just be fair here. I mean, slugs are huge. You know, they're, they're the bore of your or diameter of your shotgun in width. Uh, they're, I mean, they're enormous. They're shooting a huge chunk of lead at high speeds. Uh, they're going to go through all the walls in your house. Um, if you go to buckshot, I mean, depending on what you get, I mean, you're talking about sending out like 30 out six projectiles all the way through your house. I mean, they're going to penetrate right through your walls. Um, birdshot surprisingly penetrates pretty far through, you know, drywall. If you ever go test it and see it's, it's not nearly as, um, I mean, look, it's going to be better than buckshot, but, but here's the, here's the biggest problem with shotguns is that they're big and long and they recoil hard and they're slow to reload and they don't hold very much ammo. So, you know, that's sort of one of the biggest problems. And contrary to Hollywood and popular belief, they don't <laughs> spread and, and take out eight people at a time. Um, and you can't just point one at a room and expect the guy in the corner to get shot. You know, at like 12 feet, birdshot is still about the size of your fist. Uh, as far as size, you still have to aim it. I mean, I'd much, I'd much rather make precision shots with an AR-15 and have 30 rounds and have it be easier to point and shoot and control and not have the recoil and, you know, not have to reload it. Yeah, man, but you don't need an AR-15 for home defense. We all know that. That's what, that's <laughs> what CNN tells me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's, there's a video clip of Joe Biden, and I remember when he did this, oh, he told, no, um, man, this he one, told yeah. everybody, you just – yeah, you just need to get a shotgun, and if you got somebody breaking in your house, just fire it in the air, you know? Well, as an attorney, I can tell you that that's called um, aggravated assault, and it's a felony. You'll lose your gun rights over doing something like that. If you're going to fire a gun, you need to be justified in taking someone's life, whether you hit them or not. Mm -hmm. And, and um, just, you know, his advice is not good advice. In fact, there's a story a few years ago of a guy in Washington that did exactly that. He had someone breaking into his car. And so he stepped out and fired a shotgun in the air and they charged him. And that was his defense as Joe Biden said I could. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I, I want to make that a t-shirt. I really do want to make that a t-shirt. Just the quote, Joe Biden said I could. Right. Um, with a, with like a, a shotgun underneath it. Uh, <laughs> yep. Somebody's going to steal that idea and I'm going to be super bummed out that I didn't, that I didn't do that. Um, yeah, that's probably what will happen. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, I remember that. And the one thing that also, I, I always remembered, I'm like, okay, if I'm breaking into someone's house and I hear them, you know, set off whatever two rounds into the air, well, also, that's a bummer for their ceiling. 
Um, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, okay, the likelihood, if this dude's just setting off two rams in the air, the likelihood he's some crazy person with a double barreled shotgun. Now is the time for me to kick down the door and, because he is completely out of ammunition. That was my first thought when I, when I heard that advice from him. He's like, oh yeah, just buy yourself a double barreled shotgun, shoot both rounds into the air. <laughs> so clearly you're then unloaded and you have no defense against the guy <laughs> kicking down your door. It sounds like a great idea. Right. You know, and, and I, I don't know about you, but when I get up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., I'd always have shotgun shells on me. I mean, those, <laughs> I just sleep, I sleep with those in my pajamas pockets, you know? I mean, yeah. How do you carry shotgun shells to even reload? <laughs> well, so. it, I, I, I would say that's totally ridiculous, but I've found all sorts of shells in random clothing pockets <laughs> and, and piled in laundry. So I, it would not surprise me if I did wash some shotgun shells and they ended up in a pajama pocket, but you never know. Well, yeah, but you know, generally speaking, shotguns are hard to load. It's hard to store ammo for them in places that you can access them to reload. I mean, you know, you go, you talked about John Wick earlier. You see those caddies, those are like what we use in three gun. You know, you're, you got these caddies holding shotgun shells in a specific orientation all over your body because if they're not in that specific orientation, they're a real pain in the butt to load. And um, if you've got the right caddies and you've practiced, yeah, you can load a shotgun fast, but nobody's wearing those caddies to bed. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> I, I mean, I bet there are some dudes in Hawaiian shirts right now that are wearing those caddies to bed, but that's a whole oh, different gosh. rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. going down on this podcast. <laughs> Fair oh, enough. Oh man, we. I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure we could have a a whole additional hour of conversation <laughs> about that. Yeah, we probably uh, we probably shouldn't. Oh man. That's some other, some other day, but on that note, um, I'm going to wind this down a little bit. Uh, you know, one thing I was kind of like to finalize with, we talked earlier about how this, this podcast is really geared towards folks that are new to the outdoors, new to hunting, new to maybe firearms. And, and, and we talk, I feel like we may have touched on this a little bit, but I'll phrase it a different way is so say, you know, you run into someone and they know, they know you're uh, firearms enthusiasts, they know you're a, a hunter and they're like, Hey man, you know, I know you do this stuff. Like maybe I've, you know, they've seen your videos on YouTube or something and they're like, that looks so cool. Or here we go. Here we go. You know, say somebody was watching John wick, they start getting interested. They look up competitive shooting on YouTube. They see your videos, they reach out to you and they say, Hey man, I really want to get into this shooting thing. I want to get into hunting, but like, it just feels like there's so much that, that I've got to learn before I can do this. It's really intimidating. I don't have, know anyone that does it. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. What encouragement or like words of wisdom would you give that person? Yeah, look, I mean, not to be, uh, you know, not to sound like a cliche here, but the people that are involved in the outdoor and the shooting industry are literally some of the greatest, most generous, kind, nice people on earth. Um, I would tell them, hey, get yourself a handgun and show up at a match. I mean, make sure you know how to keep your finger off the trigger. Make sure you've memorized the safety rules. Show up with it empty and go tell someone, hey, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing. Will you coach me through this? And you'll have a dozen people 
I, I mean, I guarantee you'll have a dozen people will say, yes, come shoot with me, use my gear, try this, try that, do this, do that. And they will coach you all the way through it. They want you to have a good experience. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, is, whoa, is, whoa. Haven't you heard though? Gun owners are bloodthirsty killers. No, <laughs> this is not, this is not the case. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I've shot all over the country. Uh, um, literally it matches and competitions all over the country. I used to be on Cabela's uh, and Leopold shooting team. And I, I did it, you know, pretty much professionally for a few seasons. And um, I, uh, I can tell you that that is the case that, that, people have shown up before and I've seen other shooters literally be like, here, shoot my rifle, shoot my shotgun. I've done it for people myself. I've, you know, just donated ammo to them when they didn't have what they needed because it's, it's, it's a, it's a very, uh, it, people are nice. People are excited to have new faces and people get involved. Um, and so if you're, if you're on the fence about it, if you're not sure if you can do it, if it seems like, you know, you're overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, do some research Watch some YouTube videos. There's a ton of articles if you Google them on getting started that different people have written, but it really just comes down to going and doing it. Um, you can watch and read about it a lot and it won't make up for just going up and shooting a match. So yeah, don't overthink it, I guess is the best thing I can tell you. Don't go buy a bunch of new gear. You'll find out you bought the wrong stuff. Uh, so just go up, show up with what you've got and, uh, and, and go ask for help. You know, don't be too prideful to say, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing. And everybody had to start there at some point. I still remember my first pistol match. I had no idea what I was doing and I certainly <laughs> didn't win. Awesome, man. Well, if folks wanted to find you online, follow along with the adventures, where can they, uh, where can they follow along? You know, um, the, as far as me personally, uh, my Instagram account is where I'm most active. Um, I'm not a huge Facebook fan. It automatically posts there sometimes, but I'm most active on Instagram and my Instagram username is true, which is T R U E my first name, uh, 1911 or one nine one one. Honestly as well. I mean, I'm the editor for guns America magazine. It's free magazine. If you go to gunsamerica.com, you can sign up for it. You'll get an, uh, a magazine in your inbox. It's completely free. Same thing with hunting. We have a hunting magazine that's a monthly magazine. And there are thousands, literally thousands of articles on Guns America on how to do different things. Uh, so if you're a beginner and you need some advice or you want to read about a gun before you buy it, there's hundreds and hundreds of gun reviews on there as well. Uh, so, you know, and there's other websites as well. There's not just that one, but there's a ton of information on the Internet. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me today. I'll make sure to link to all of that on the show notes page of the website, but thanks for taking the time out of your day, man. I appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. And good luck to everybody that's out uh, hunting and shooting. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 